Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thank you for joining us, and we are on episode 15 of our long series about the attributes of God. Last week, we talked about the mercy of God, and we had as our guest, Ray Jewell, and Ray has stuck around for yet another week of broadcast excellence, as one radio host says. And we're going to be talking about the love of God. Unloan from God. Unloan from God, yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the love of God. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to be here. I'm excited and just, you know, I think that we have a lot of misconception of what the love of God is. Yeah. And I think that uh, hopefully, you know, we'll probably not cover it enough to clear all that up, but that uh, we can address some of that anyway. Yeah. And for those of you who need the reminding, Ray is the same Ray of Ray's Ramblings, his blog, and also the director of the Janesville Community Center. And now, I can officially say it now, by the time this airs, this will be old news, but now Ray is not only a co-host, but a co-worker of mine here at Rock County Christian School. Ray joined our staff uh, this, this uh, fall. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he's already been I, I think they're smart. They kept you in Beloit and they put yeah. me in Janesville. <laughs> now, I'm hoping this is a, this is, uh, we're recording this now, but this won't air till uh, later in the fall, early winter. Hopefully, you still have this job. All right. um, <laughs> that would know, be a good thing. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're talking about love. And so, Ray, how would you define, we're talking about the love of God. How would you define that? Put that into words. I, yeah, it's you know it's it's hard to define something that we cannot experience mm. on our own. Uh, people talk about uh, agape, meaning unconditional love, um, and yet as humans, we know that that's sort of a misnomer. For yeah. us, we usually have some kind of condition attached to love. Uh, if we show that that kind of love. I think that's God working through us and using us yeah. to show his love to the world. Uh, you know, God loved us so much. Even though we, you know, as human beings are sinful people, he still sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Yeah. Loved us so much. Well, I think John three sixteen, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever have everlasting life. Wait, I'm a Calvinist, I don't believe in that verse. You don't believe in that verse? <laughs> I, I hope I hope that uh, you notice no, I, no. I, you notice I quoted that in the King James yes, version. Yes. Because you know, that's the first verse you typically people learn growing right. up in the church is that one and And for good reason. Yeah, I mean it, it's the gospel in a verse. Right. And, and as a Calvinist, I completely support John 3.16. All right. Well, I knew you were joking so, earlier. Yes. So, <laughs> But uh, God, it, it, it's just uh, the, the only analogy that I can think of is if you create something or make it even a little bit more personal having a child you know, somehow before you have this child you don't understand the love of a child or the love that that will invade your being once mm. a child is born 
And I'm not to the place yet where I have grandchildren, but I hear that that's even more special yeah. for people. And, uh, you know, um, but any... But let, let, let's, let's camp yeah. on that for a second. Okay. It, I, I think that that really hits on something. Cause, you know, I, I've, I've adopted four children, so mm-hmm. I haven't gone through childbirth. And, of course, as a male, I haven't gone through childbirth either. I'm fat, not pregnant, as I like to say. But um, <laughs> pretty sassy too. If yes. You ask me. <laughs> but it is amazing to look at, uh, for example, our one-year-old. Uh, we got him before he was one, and I was amazed at my own ability to love this child because I don't think of myself as a very loving person. That's not a characteristic trait I think people even associate with me, and for good reason, because of my sass and everything else. But anyway. Calvinist, but uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, as I look at that child, I am overwhelmed with love. Mm-hmm. But that child didn't do anything to deserve that love. That child makes my life difficult. Right. That child yeah. basically poops and eats all day. Yeah. Um, and, and, and cries a lot right. and keeps you up at gets you up at three in the morning and you got to rock him back to bed. Yeah. The the thing is, you're even closer in your role as an adoptive parent than I am as a natural father to the love of God. Because God adopts all of us mm. into his family. It takes more love to take somebody out of a situation that uh, requires adoption than it does to have your own children. Because I think a big part of love is sacrifice, right. of self-sacrifice, doing something that you have done with not just one or two or three, but four boys you know, most of us are looking at you and you better have your head examined. But <laughs> Well, you were saying that long before I adopted any child. So <laughs> That's true. But the, the, the love that washes over someone in order to be able to do that, we're getting a little bit closer to what the love of God is. Yeah, and I think that's the key aspect of God's love is sacrificial. Yes. Um, in fact, the, the definitions I have here... Um, Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. John MacArthur in his latest systematic theology says something similar. God's perfect love is his determination to give of himself to himself and to others and his affection uh, for himself and his people. And then, um, well, I'm not going to get to this, this quote yet, but the, the key aspect is I'm giving of myself. We can look at, I mean, I don't know why I don't have the key scriptures, but 1 Corinthians 13, Mm -hmm. the classic um, passage on love. And all of of those descriptions of love is toward other people. So I'm giving in a sacrificial way of myself to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the key element, uh, people need to remember, the Corinthian church was a messed up church. Right. And Paul sandwiches that chapter, the, the love portion, with this whole concept of spiritual giftedness on chapter, you know, the, the preceding paragraph chapter and the uh, one right after is about issues that they need to be loving each other and working through these right. conflicts. And that's, that's again, Taking your your focus off of yourself, yeah. putting it on other people, and that's 
hard to do because you know we are human beings we are we are told in our culture to look out for number one yeah and yet here comes Jesus with this countercultural message that says love your neighbors love your enemies yeah you know do good to those who would persecute you turn the other cheek do all these things because love is the reason for it. Right. And he gives the prime example of it in his own life by yeah. sacrificing himself on the cross to save everyone who would come to him. In the book of John, he, he says that very same, same thing. Here's the, the key definition of love that a person lays down his life for his friends. Right, exactly. And so Jesus gives us that ultimate example. So let's look at some of the, the scripture passage here. And the first one I have, we, we kind of covered was John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. God loved, so he gave. Mm-hmm. And God loved and he gave himself to the world. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to fight about world right now. But what we can both agree on is what he means, the people in this world are not upright, righteous people who deserve attention and deserve affection. Right. These are people who have rebelled against him. These are people who do not deserve anything but the depths of hell. But he loves them. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes that love incredible. Right, and part of that, I don't know if you have that as uh, one of your verses or not. I forget who says it, though. God's patience is driven by his love for people as well. Mm. You know, he's, he's patient in his returning. Right, and, uh, of, First Peter 3. Uh, thank you. Uh, judgment and whatnot, because he wants everybody to have the opportunity to come to him. And that's love. That is... There's no other way to describe it. But, you know, I think we have to remember it's not just an act on his part. It is part, I mean, every other attribute of God flows out of the fact that he is love. Yeah, and and Pink says this about that. He says it's not simply that God loves, but that he himself is love. Love is not merely one of his attributes, but his very nature. Right. So love is not just like, oh, he's a nice guy. But love is at the very core of what makes God God. I think that is that yeah. a safe oh, statement. Yeah. I, I, and the thing is, then, that, that, that is a game changer when we understand who God is. You know, people struggle with God the judge. But that's even somehow motivated by his love. Right. Um, he's not a vengeful God. We don't need to appease God because he is a God of love. Uh, you know, our, our friend uh, Dr. Axton would make a strong case <laughs> to say that, that, you know, and we won't get into that, but, but it's the love of God that basically drives everything that he does. Yeah. At least that's the way I read you know, the revelation that he's given Let's us. look at 1 John 4 and verse 8. is a fascinating verse to me. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful statement. So first, we have that, that, that very essence of God. God is love. God does not simply show us what love is, but God defines it in his very being. Mm-hmm. God shows us what love is in, in, in all that he does, even when he is judge, even when he is, um, I would even say, sending people uh, to hell. I, there, there are acts of love in all of that. 
Yeah, I. Um, exactly. I I think, uh, and that's hard to wrap your brain around uh, how a loving God. I mean, and you hear it all the time. Well, why does a loving God allow this and this and this yeah. to happen? Well, guess what? Sometimes these things happen. So you will come to him right. in you know, repentance and bow before him and accept him. He cares so much yeah. for you that he will allow things to happen in your life to draw you closer to him. Right. And uh, that, that usually is, is a, sh- uh, a breaking point for people. You either come to him or you, you run away even more. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, God... God is the kind of, you know, he's, uh, some people have expressed it this way. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to come to him, but he wants to provide every opportunity for you to come to him through Jesus Christ in order to be in a right relationship with him. Well, I would That's disagree with you in at least how we phrase that. Well, right. I um, because I think sometimes a gentleman should. Like if my child is running toward the hot stove with his hand stretched, which happens quite a bit, um, I, I'm not going to plead with him. I'm going to grab him and bring him to safety. Right. Um, but the invitation is there for all, mm-hmm. and, and we need to preach the gospel to all. And oftentimes God uses what we would consider negative things to bring us to a place to show us our need for him. In other words, so, you know, to put it in uh, secular terms, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom yeah. before we see, oh, I do need a Savior. All um, things work together for good right. to those who are called according to his purpose. It's not all things work together for good, but those who, you know, he calls, which he calls, you know, from my Arminian's perspective, calls everyone. But it, it works out in such a way that we are in, put into this right relationship with God. And it's motivated by his love, which makes it uh, motivation for us to love others. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people in the world that I don't like. Uh, yo, you're not one of those. I like you. <laughs> For <Kevin>. now. No. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, it's not up to me to make that decision. I'm, I am called to be like Christ as a believer. And somehow, God works through me to exhibit love to those people yeah. that I, if it, you know, if it's my old self, Shining through, I, you know, let's put it this way. It's, it's a good thing for some people that I'm not God. <laughs> I want to look at one other passage before we move on. And one of my favorite passages when it comes to the love of God, because it, it's not merely poetic as it is profound and overwhelming. Ephesians chapter 3, and um, I'll begin in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Mm -hmm. So here, describing the love of God, there is no limit. There is no boundary. There is nothing that captures his love in, in that sense. It limits his love, is a better word. Right. And, and what's interesting about that, that becomes the catalyst for the rest of the book of Ephesians. Mm. 
because when it when you know the the emphasis in chapter five about husbands and wives that's more about the love of Christ for his church right and you know I think we abuse that passage sometimes if we make it into a strict legal type thing yeah I mean it's a that's one relationship that can become a reflection of God's love. Yeah. As in chapter six, you know, uh, children and parents and yeah. masters and uh, and uh, slaves, or in our context, employers and employees, yeah. uh, to have people who run their business with the love of God in yeah. mind. You know, like like Chick Fil A. They pay their employees, I've heard, anywhere from 15 to 17 bucks an hour to do the same type of thing that the minimum wage job people yeah. make at McDonald's or some of the other places. By the way, if Chick-fil-A is listening, we would love to have your sponsorship for this program. We would love to call this the Chick-fil-A uh, Basic Bible Podcast if, if, if you're willing to go. I'm not even taking money. I'll just take some chicken. Yeah. yeah build build. <laughs> A store in Beloit and Janesville, and yes. we will come. <laughs> all right, but we, but that that whole the, all those relationships you just mentioned should be reflections of the love Christ has for His church, mm-hmm. and, and you're right. That's that's the context of all that. When you and when you just take that, um, rip it from its context and put it in a legalistic here. You, now you have to do this, do this, do this. Yeah. All these relationships should reflect God's love. Uh, let's go to dangers to avoid as, as, our, as our time is ticking away. I'm trying to rein in our, uh, our guest here. Um, <laughs> he blames me, but it's often yeah. it's him that it's raining. <laughs> well, it's my show, so oh, I'm going to blame you because okay. I'm not taking responsibility. Oh, wait a second. I'm co-host now. Okay. You, you've changed the title. <laughs> All right. So, dangers to avoid. Um, I, I think one is something that we've already kind of covered is to... Um, limit God's love in the sense of I don't have to be loving toward this person over here. That person's a jerk. Yeah. Um, I, and the app, uh, you know, we can't do that. Uh, but and I want to talk about that more. When we get to our application section. But Pink says here um, a good and by the way, again, we are this whole study has been based off of A. W. Pink's attributes of God. A good-natured indulgence defines love in a false way. A good-natured indulgence that is reduced to a mere sickly sick, a sentiment patterned after human emotion. So sometimes we limit love to human emotion. This is a love that, uh, you know, I work with teenagers, and love is a very fickle thing. It, it, it's fascinating to see who is in love. I mean love. Head over heels, absolute love one day. And the next day, you know, the new kid shows up at school, and all of a sudden, who was that guy over there? I don't remember him, but this guy has my attention. And, yeah. you know, love is a very fickle thing, and it's, it's all based upon emotion and can change in a moment. Yeah, and that's that's Hollywood's version of right. love. Remember, uh, maybe you're not old enough to remember um, Love Story. Um, that was before my time. Yeah, that, well, okay. But, you know, it's like love is never having to say you're sorry. Wow, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> I wish that were true, but yeah. it's obviously not. And I would say you know, the exact opposite is true. Yes, and love is constantly saying you're sorry. Yes, and uh, you know, obviously, God doesn't have to say he's sorry, but that's because he's God. But part of love 
is being able to to work through those things. We were talking about this earlier with a couple of guys after our meeting. Yeah. About conflict. Do we just let conflict go by the the wayside in order to mollify the situation, yeah. or does love compel us to actually deal with the issue head on and in uh, strengthen that relationship, yeah. strengthen then the, the children that are part of the marital relationship, if that's where the conflict is, or in a church. Right. You know, I mean, if you have this surface thing going where it's mollified and and whatnot, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to be able to do what God has called you to do because you're so worried about not stepping on somebody's toes yeah. and not dealing with those issues. Conflict management is a huge part of love. And if you are, if you are in love with someone, there are times where you have to correct that person. Mm-hmm. And if you are, and the opposite is true. If you're in love with someone, sometimes you need to receive that criticism. And I think we had that modeled for us in the Old Testament. There are times I read through God's relationship with Israel, and I think, just as God said to Moses, why don't, why doesn't God just wipe these guys out? Yeah. How many times are they caught in adultery? Every single chance they had, they committed adultery, it seems. Mm-hmm. They stay straight from the Lord, yet God remained faithful. Now, there, was, there were punishments for sure. Right. There was correction that had to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But I would think, I, after a while, I'd, you know what? That's it. You've pushed it too far. You're done. Well, yeah. But no, God doesn't do right. that. He loves his children. The whole book story of Hosea. Right. Is a prime example of that. I mean, God tells Hosea to go marry a prostitute because it's an it's a you know, it's a image, it's a whatever, an object lesson yeah. about his love for Israel. Israel's been playing the prostitute, which is always almost always in the Old Testament it's reference to idolatry. Yeah. They're worshiping other gods, they're going around uh and openly doing this, right. basically spitting in God's face, and yet he's still doing anything and everything to bring them back. Now, eventually, he is going to say, and has said in certain times, enough is enough. Right. With, with the book of Jeremiah, the book of Lamentations, I just read through that a couple of days ago, and it's like, okay, enough is enough. This is what's going to happen. Nebuchadnezzar comes, conquers, takes away people. And yet, even in the midst of that, in like the third chapter of Lamentations, there's still hope that God will bring back a remnant from exile. And basically, 70 years later, that's what happens. And we were talking about this, you know, uh, Luke 15. Yeah. Perfect examples of God's love and His willingness to go look for the one, and you brought it to attention in, in the prodigal son story. It's not—he's not chasing after the prodigal son. He goes after the older son right. when he refused right. to come in for the party when the younger son came back home. Yeah, that's love. Right. God pursues us not in a "I'm going to get you." You know, in order to arrest you or like some kind of bulldog, but he pursues us in a loving way that we are given every possible opportunity right. to come to him. Absolutely. So, in terms of application, 
we have, you know, I want to keep, I have here, you know, we, we want to be re reflective of God's love. But maybe uh, I want to emphasize something you just kind of said, hope. Mm -hmm. In the midst of problems in relationships, um, you know, every marriage has struggles. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I tell kids, and my wife hates it when I say this, but... Um, <laughs> When, when I, I tell students, I never understood why people got divorced until I got married. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No. But, but you see uh, it. You see right. why. I, I love my wife. Yeah. I am dedicated to her. And we have a, a wonderful relationship. I have no desire for divorce whatsoever. I'm very satisfied. But I fight with my wife. Mm -hmm. And she fights with me. You know, because she's wrong a lot. No. Um, <laughs> oh, does she listen? She to does listen things? to this sometimes, so I'm going to get in trouble. You probably, you, but you, you, I mean, I'm wrong a lot. You, you need a you need a, a place to stay yeah. tonight, there, Kevin. I got a good couch. Um, but well, the doghouse is probably you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, every relationship has struggles. Yeah. And I think it's it's important if 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 we're going to reflect God's love, I think we should never give up hope on that relationship. Yeah. You know, I use marriage relationship, but we can also talk about parents. I know many parents who struggle with a child that has left the faith, left their house, uh, gone off into horrible sin, and, you know, kind of just like the, the Luke 15 situation with the prodigal right. son. Yeah. And I think if we love that person, like the father, we want them to come back. Well, and we and, want to extend that hope. And to reverse that, you got kids who had nasty, terrible parents. Right. And part of the, the problem for those of us who had a love-hate relationship with our father or our mother, yeah. often we don't have the chance to go over that with them to confront that conflict before they pass. Mm. And it can mess up you know, life for us further down the road. And right. uh, you know, just, you know, as I've, because I, I would say that I had a really weird relationship with my dad. And I, it took me a long time to finally be able to reflect on life with dad and have some positive things to say. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been gone over 30 years, and you know, it still affects me right. uh, to this day. But to, to get to the place where I can remember some of the good times and not always the negative times, I think that's a step in the right direction of actually loving someone yeah even though they're gone. I mean, you know, mom and dad made sure we were in church. Yeah. And that was huge. I mean, right. that's been a, a, a saving grace type of thing for, for me. But like in my marital relationship, my wife is committed to me and to our marriage. I've taken her through seven times of depression. And, uh, and you know, some manic issues and job changes and job changes and job changes and and she's still there hmm. um and that's love love is commitment hmm. um and it, it's easy to love people that love you back mm -hmm. it's easy to love people who are lovable and cute and adorable but let's face it there are a lot of jerks out there and it may be the coworker you've got it could even be someone in the family it could be the boss or it could be someone at church or whatever. That takes real love and real commitment to say, I'm going to love you despite. Uh, there was, there was a, years ago, 
I, I don't want to give out too many details, but uh, my church, I was, a, I was a leader of, my, of a small group at my church. Hmm. And I remember I, I got the list of people in my group. And there was one guy there. I said, oh, no. <laughs> it's not that I didn't like him or did, I, I hated him. We had an argument. But he was just a very irritating person. And I don't even think he knew how irritating he was. Yeah. Um, I think there were some mental issues even. But uh, just a very challenging person. Liked to talk a lot. Hmm. And only what he wanted to talk about. Not, about. not what the Bible said he was about. And I just remember thinking, oh, I didn't want this person in my group. And the Lord worked on my heart and said, you know, I need to love this person. Yeah. And I remember I had to pray, Lord, you have to cause me to love him. I can't do this on my right. own. Right. Yeah. And I find him irritating, and he caused more problems for me being in this group. And eventually, he even broke my couch. Oh, that's another story. Um, <laughs> but I remember toward the end of that time, God had worked in my heart to where, you know, I, I actually did love this person and want the best for him and sacrificing uh, even parts of my own personal life to help this person out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was only a working of God. It, it's easy to love people who are lovable, but the love of God shines forth when we love the people that are not deserving, just like you and I. Mm-hmm. All right, what's well, uh, recommended resources? Uh, are there any books, Ray, that you'd recommend on this topic? You always ask me that, and I never have any. Well, I've <laughs> always got some. So. I know. <laughs> of course, we're going through the book, Attributes of God by A.W. Pink, so I'll, I'll throw that out there again. Uh, the God Who Loves by John MacArthur, uh, I, I've read years ago, uh, was good. Uh, a more popular work, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. And I know he's kind of gone off a little bit of a deep end lately, it seems. But I think this work is good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you want to get a lot more technical, D.A. Carson's The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. And uh, an easier read is God's Love by R.C. Sproul, which right now is actually free for Kindle. But by the time this airs, that, that'll be over. But anyway, um, R.C. Sproul is one of my favorite guys. Well, Ray, we've uh, gone a little over time, but we've kind of kept it within the basic time frame. So, congratulations! All right, we you know we, we try to be basic in, <laughs> in all things, including time. All right, well, join us next week when uh, we we transition quite a bit here from the love of God to the wrath of God, and uh, Pastor Tim Johnson uh, will be here with us talking about God's wrath. So, join us then. Until then, check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org or check us out on Twitter at Basic Biblecast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.